This is a Federal News Network podcast. Welcome back to the Space Hour on Federal News Network. I'm Eric White. Creating the technology to get to space is hard enough, something that may be just as or even more difficult, navigating your way through the bureaucratic regulations you need to comply with. As with most industries, those just getting into it are going to have the hardest time learning about the rules in place. Enter the Association of Commercial Space Professionals, who at the end of February are hosting a space regulatory boot camp. It's designed specifically for startups and is being done in partnership with the Air Force Research Laboratory. To learn more about it, I spoke with Bailey Reichelt, partner at Aegis Space Law, and Bryce Kennedy, who is the firm's business development director. So I'm one of the founding partners. I have one other partner, Jack Shelton. Uh, It's actually a bit of an interesting story. We met both as international trade attorneys. I was working in-house for a big U.S. defense contractor. I did a lot of helping uh, subcontractors figure out how to comply with regulations so we could work with them. It seemed there was a real need there for uh, smaller businesses needing regulatory help before they could actually afford the attorneys that could help them with the regulatory help. Um, Jack and I had been working on designing export training for um, a big contractor and then decided to go out on our own and actually just found a law firm that does just that. Let's provide regulatory assistance to small companies. My background was in space law from Ole Miss Law, and we decided this industry was really where our passion was. Uh, It's a very highly regulated industry. I have a list of 12 agencies just right off the bat that most commercial space startups have to deal with. They don't even know half these agencies exist when they start. So one of the things we wanted to use Aegis Space Law to do was to really help them get a handle on the regulatory obligations, really help all those innovative tech startups out there. And we really like the companies where the founders are still involved because there is so much passion. They're they're out to change the world. And we wanna help them actually do that. And I, I joke with Jack all the time, like. We don't get the luxury of being the scientists or the inventors who make the innovative and world-changing technologies, but we can help them get those technologies and that company to market. We can help them navigate the regs. We can help them actually be successful, and then we all benefit. And one of the beautiful things about working in commercial space is that Pretty much everyone is aligned in this passion goal that if we can send something to space, not only does that fulfill some sort of greater need and like communal feeling for us, like we're changing the world, we're exploring space, but all the technology that we develop that can keep someone alive to Mars, it also redefines life on we know it as Earth, life as we know it on Earth. So it really just, it helps everyone. And everyone in this industry really does want to change the world and see everyone grow. And it's it's a big enough industry that there's lots of room for all of us. So we um, founded the law firm with the idea that we we're going to help small companies actually succeed with their tech by navigating the regulatory hurdles. And so far, there's been lots and lots of demand. And that kind of led us to establishing the Association of Commercial Space Professionals and the regulatory boot camp that we're hosting in Albuquerque in February. We will certainly get to that. Would you like me to? 
Oh, so I was going to see uh, just talk to uh, Bryce a little bit about um, how he found himself in this uh, particular arena. And you are right about all the uh, <laughs> the the massive amount of regulations there. Uh, and so, uh, Bryce, I wonder if you could maybe just give us a few uh, pillars of space law itself, since it is uh, something relatively new to most people. Sure. Um, you know, one of the things that really drew me to space law, so I had my own executive coaching company before this. I mean, I was an attorney before that, and then I had an executive coaching company in New York. And I remember when I pivoted, as most people did a lot of, during COVID, that I, it was just something simple where I was kind of looking up at the stars and starting to ask questions about who's who's protecting space. And so that's when I, I decided to go full bore into it. And that's when I met Jack and Bailey. And I was like, I, I want to dust off my law degree and really use it for something meaningful. And, you know, every good space attorney or, or someone in the industry starts off with a very high level, the Outer Space Treaty. And that's at, at a UN level. It, it governs most nations. It, it has a, a set of principles that people follow. You know, one of the, the big things is that you can't claim any... Uh, territory as your own for a country um there's you know provisions in there for war and avoiding you know nuclear proliferate proliferation in space and that type of stuff and but what's really cool is that it governs a lot of the way space law is shaped and so as bailey said we have the regulatory the regulatory field with fcc faa uh, noaa in terms of licensing and then on top of that it just it just you know, any type of commercial activity boils down to essentially if you are a traditional company. And um, the thing that, you know, as lawyers, we have to be careful with because it's not just it, it's we're, as Bailey said, there's 12 different agencies that we're looking at. So everything counts. And if, say, you violate something in one agency, there can be this cross pollination where you violate something else in another one. And um so, so there, there's traditionally these big firms that worked, you know, for the Lockheeds, the Raytheons, you know, NASA, DoD, over the years, and and they were they were used to having those massive contracts and you know huge staffs and whatever. But as the commercial space industry becomes much more nimble, much more agile, um, you know, those those firms aren't necessarily what what we need anymore, and. Um, and so what we're trying to do at, at different levels is streamlining a lot of it. We're trying to make it more accessible. Um, and we're also trying to kind of bring the information forward that was kind of kept behind these barriers of large law firms or, you know, intergovernmental agencies that wasn't necessarily um, appropriate for um, commercial industry. And now it is. He brings up a really good point, bringing it back to the government side of things. I don't know if you saw Eric, um, a couple of weeks ago, it was in the news that the Biden administration might publish an executive order at the end of Q1 in 2023, asking the Commerce Department to try to streamline space regs because they're starting to realize how prohibitively hard it is for some of these companies to get their technology to space, or more importantly, to get it to the government who has real world problems to solve right now, like one of the most notorious ones being like orbital debris. We're trying to source all the solutions we can. We need lots of solutions, right? And 
they're seeing how hard it is for those companies to actually make it. It's part of why the Air Force has put funding towards our boot camp to teach companies how to deal with this stuff. They want them to make it and get across these hurdles that they keep seeing them fail on. We're hoping that what we're teaching at our boot camp and what information we're unlocking through the Association of Commercial Space Professionals is going to really uh, illustrate to government as well as teach the companies, but illustrate to government how exactly hard it is to do this. And we can maybe guide them, like here are places we could streamline and here are places that are prohibitively difficult that we really need to focus on. Because luckily with the startups we've been working with, I think we've aggregated a lot of industry information on where the regs are completely unworkable or where they're gonna create the, as DOD says, like the valley of death for startups. I think we have a lot of information there and hopefully we're going to be able to continue using ACSP to even educate regulators and like government contracting officers and such on the commercial side of why this is important. So why don't we get into the how one of the vehicles of change that you all are using, um, and that's these regulatory boot camps that you're working with uh, ACSP with and in partnership with the Air Force Research Lab. What can you tell me about uh, what those boot camps entail and uh, some of the uh, responses that you've gotten from participants? So ACSP, Association for Commercial Space Professionals, is a certifying body for commercial space professionals and we're creating and essentially that is a completely separate organization from Aegis space law and we're intentionally doing that with this amazing advisory board that we've um hand chosen and, and asked to be a part of this because what we want to do is one of the let me just backtrack real quick one of the things that we we have all agreed on that we kind of got sick and tired of is going to these symposiums or going to these these discussions or, you know, conferences where everyone talks about the same thing. We need to streamline, you know, the, the regs, uh, orbital debris, China. We get it. It's all bad. There's no doubt about it. And it needs to change. However, in the meantime, we got to work with what we have. And right now we have the regulations that that exist. And um, and that's where the, the boot camp really developed from. And with the boot camp, we have 14 or 15 subjects that we, we, it's kind of like space regulation in a box that people are going to be able to come to the boot camp. They're going to learn from experts that have been in this field for, for decades. And they're not only going to learn exactly what the regs are, how much sometimes, say, licensing costs, the time frame for these things, they'll also be able to take an action item um, and apply it to their business or their you know field of practice immediately. And so that's what we're really trying to focus on. This isn't just a, a conference. This is something, this is an education. This is a training, again, from these high-level people. And then at the end of it, we're, we're offering a certification. And that's the, uh, like I said, for the commercial space professionals. And that's where the ACSP comes in and the advisory board. And we're we're going to have this first level certification offered after the boot camp where people can take this. We're going to have our advisory board because we didn't want just us looking at this this from you know one angle, just from our own angle. We we, you know, there's blind spots everywhere. And so <laughs> we have we have such an incredible team from from Noah to uh, Sagib from Blue Origin, like when he worked at Blue Origin, like just incredible group of people. Um, and they're going to, you know, take it apart and put it back together. And so when that certification and that exam comes out, 
it's going to be difficult. And, you know, people, when they pass it, they'll, they'll have this opportunity and a feeling like, oh, we really, really challenged ourselves. And what this is, you know, and says it on our, our, our website, uh, ACSP, it's a chance to democratize space and the information behind it. And um, eventually ACSP is going to start offering different levels of certifications. We're going to have different modules of different trainings there. And everyone we talk to, it, it's so funny. Everyone we talk to is like, this is exactly what is needed. You know, not everyone has time to go get an engineering degree or go staff on DC on the Hill you know, to, to learn these regs. And if we can break this down through our network, through the contributions of other people, through ACSP, uh, we've, we really feel like we're going to move the needle in a way that's never been done before. Yeah, I think uh, reiterating kind of where this just really meets practicality. When I was in-house, I know in law school, I had learned the word ITAR, um, International Traffic and Arms Regulations. No one taught me how to apply for an export license. And when I started... They're like, well, you're a lawyer, get an export license. I'm like, I have no idea where to begin. So one of the things we'll be teaching is how do I even start to know if I need an export license? How do I apply for one? What are the triggering factors? You know, if I'm a government contractor or I want to be a government contractor, there's a litany of questions in SAM, which is the registration platform that issues the cage. How do I answer those? Well, these are all things that we're going to be teaching skills for. And I know that when I was in-house, I wish someone had told me how these things had Im implicated one another. So when you get into government contracting, you're going to be asked to comply with export controls. Or if you're dealing with foreign investors or foreign employees, maybe you're going to be dealing with CFIUS. Maybe you're going to be dealing and CFIUS Committee on Foreign Investment in the U.S. Maybe you're going to be dealing with OFAC, which is uh, part of the Department of the Treasury. Um, they deal with sanctions and things like that. How am I doing due diligence? Like all of these things intersect each other. And if you don't know how or where they intersect or how much they cost or how long they take, it can ruin your whole contract, cost you penalties, especially if you have contracts that are sensitive to dates like launch agreements or rideshare agreements. You could be, you know, breaking or in breach of that whole contract just because you weren't educated on what the realistic timelines were for all the different moving parts of your business and your particular mission. So I, I wish this had existed before. We're creating it now because there's definitely a need, but there's been a need for a while. And we're seeing a lot of interest among like people kind of in the situation I was, which is general counsels at space companies or, you know, just founders who want to be educated so they can avoid these pitfalls and they can preserve all of their um, their resources, both monetary resources and their time, right? So that they don't have to go hire an expensive lawyer, put things back together after they took an investment that they learned after the fact they shouldn't have. You know, we can teach them how to avoid these things on the front end and give them our experience working with lots of companies across commercial space. And we're just going to hopefully speed up the process, save them money, and put their resources where they really need to go, which is into getting their technology to customers. Well, we hope uh, as many people will come to the boot camp as possible. We're offering a hybrid model as well. A lot of students have been interested in attending that. Um, follow us on acsp.space. We have a newsletter that you can sign up for, or you can follow us on LinkedIn, either Aegis Space Law, or you can follow ACSP. You can see what we're up to and see all the things we're adding to that website. 
either website and the newsletter all the time. The newsletter comes out monthly and it's, we try to keep it as practical as possible by saying, here's why you should care about this thing. Um, and then giving you a quick snippet on what's going on in industry policy and everything else, commercial space. And the other thing is uh, the boot camp is hybrid. So for those who can't come February 21st to 23rd in Albuquerque, um, you can attend online on Zoom and still be still have the offering for the certification. And, you know, is there a concern there on you that if you do too many, teach too many uh, regulators and uh, commercial space professionals about this knowledge and, and how to navigate the waves of this regulation, you may work yourself out of a job there? <laughs> you know, what's really funny is I get asked that a lot. And we have only had more and more work the more that we've taught people how to deal with the regs. I'm not worried at all about that. As I said, like space is huge. Yeah. <laughs> There's only more and more companies in space. This this benefits mankind. The more innovative technologies we can get full fully commercialized. So no, I don't think we're going out of business. And when we see other law firms wanting to work in this space, we want to network with them because there's room enough for all of us. There's plenty of work. And frankly, most of these companies end up saying, yeah, I'm not touching securities with a 10 foot pole anyway. Do you want to work for us? So, and the truth it, is, is if, if we don't, if we don't open up this information and, and make it accessible um, at a high level or even a, a more intricate level, then we as a country will lose our position as a space power. I mean, it's, it's that, that, that's the overarching theme before we could, especially as attorneys and, and large law firms, we could, we could bury it deep and, you know, hoard the information and, you know, put it behind all these different paywalls and all, all these other things. And that was fine because we were leaders in the industry. Now we don't have that benefit. And, you know, it, the, some of the major barriers to entry, for commercial space are the the regulations and you know while it is i there there is that fear kind of instilled in a lot of uh, legal minds it's as bailey said we're finding quite the opposite and we we are really pushing the envelope in terms of making the us a commercial space you know behemoth and in, in traditionally just continuing to make it um open for everyone so yeah that's why we started Ross, this. really a really good point. Again, let me bring it full circle with an example here. The FCC, uh, it's expensive to work with the FCC, but if you want to talk to your satellite when it's in space, you, you need to work with the FCC as a U.S. company. I say that. There's caveat to that. You can work with other countries. We've had uh, several companies, especially ones that have more of an international presence, that say the FCC is too hard. It's too expensive. It's too slow. There's too many hurdles that I have to jump over, I'm going to work with Germany. Their regs are straightforward. They're easy to comply with. It's cheaper. It's faster. So there's a real actual potential that the U.S. loses their cutting edge because our regulators are more difficult to comply with and more opaque than all the other regulators they could choose to deal with, say, in Europe. Got it. And it speaks to the uniqueness of this industry in, in speaking to a lot of the commercial space professionals that we do for this show. Um, and it, you you do really touch on something there about how they are all they're competitive, but they're also excited for each other. It's not quite as cutthroat as other industries that I'm sure that you both have worked in uh, as far as being a, a regulatory law professional. Uh, is that the case that you're finding? 
I would agree with that. That's part of why so many people are passionate about this industry. It's why it excites people. I mean, rockets are innately exciting, but when you work with people who everyone has at least some part of a common goal that we're going to change the world and better humanity, it's just, it's something to be excited about every day. And frankly, I don't need to make uh, the salary of a lawyer in DC and I don't need that if I can go to work every day thinking I've changed something, I've done something better, I did something that benefits my daughter's generation. And as a lawyer, there are just so few opportunities to do some of that stuff. So again, uh, working on streamlining regs, I think that is kind of every lawyer's dream on how you can actually impact change. And I guess it, I don't know exactly where I'm going with this. Uh, <laughs> yes, it's less cutthroat it's much more rewarding to work with commercial space companies. One of the jokes that I always bring up is in my previous life when I was an attorney in New York on Wall Street, you know, I worked for the bad guys, the quote unquote bad guys, and I made a ton of money and I could buy whatever I wanted. And it was one of those things. However, I had a bleeding ulcer. I thought I had a tumor. I was probably just a, you know, a hard sneeze away from divorcing my wife. Life was awful, it, but it was like I was following the pattern of, of, of the big time attorneys of that cutthroat world of the New York Wall Street, and it was just like it was completely debilitating from from just a you know overall mental health standpoint. And finding something like this when you're passionate and you're able to bridge you're able to bridge passion, optimism, altruism, and the law together. I mean, it's like it's it's the most perfect combination to to live life by. Yeah, it's, I, I can I can hear it from both of your voices. Uh, so why don't we get into the how one of the vehicles of change that you all are using, um, and that's these regulatory boot camps that you're working with uh, ACSP uh, with, and in partnership with the Air Force Research Lab. What can you tell me about uh, what those boot camps entail, and uh, some of the uh, responses that you've gotten from participants? So ACSP Association for Commercial Space Professionals is a certifying body for commercial space professionals and we're creating and essentially that is a completely separate organization from Aegis space law and we're intentionally doing that with this amazing advisory board that we've um hand chosen and, and asked to be a part of this because what we want to do is one of the let me just backtrack real quick one of the things that we we have all agreed on that we kind of got sick and tired of is going to these symposiums or going to these these discussions or you know conferences where everyone talks about the same thing we need to streamline you know the, the regs uh, orbital debris china we get it it's all bad there's no doubt about it <laughs> and it needs to change however in the meantime we got to work with what we have and right now we have the regulations that that exist and um, and that's where the the boot camp really developed from. And with the boot camp, we have fourteen or fifteen subjects that we, we it's kind of like space regulation in a box that people are going to be able to come to the boot camp. They're going to learn from experts that have been in this field for for decades. And they're not only going to learn exactly what the regs are, how much sometimes, say licensing costs, the time frame for these things, they'll also be able to take an action item um, and apply it to their business or their you know field of practice immediately. And so that's what we're really trying to focus on. This isn't just a, a conference. This is something, this is an education. This is a training, again, from these high-level people. And then at the end of it, we're, we're offering a certification. 
and that's the uh, like I said for the commercial space professionals, and that's where the ACSP comes in and the advisory board, and we're we're going to have this first level certification offered after the boot camp, where people can take this. We're going to have our advisory board because we didn't want just us looking at this this from you know one angle, just from our own angle. We we you know there's blind spots everywhere, and so <laughs> we have we have such an incredible team from from Noah to uh, Sagi from Blue Origin, like when he worked at Blue Origin, like just incredible group of people. Um, and they're going to, you know, take it apart and put it back together. And so when that certification and that exam comes out, it's going to be difficult. And, you know, people, when they pass it, they'll, they'll have this opportunity and a feeling like, Oh, we really, really challenged ourselves. And what this is, you know, and says it on our, our, our website, uh, ACSP, it's a chance to democratize space and the information behind it. And um, eventually ACSP is going to start offering different levels of certifications. We're going to have different modules of different trainings there. And everyone we talk to, it, it's so funny. Everyone we talk to is like, this is exactly what is needed. You know, you, not everyone has time to go get an engineering degree or go staff on DC on the Hill, you know, to, to learn these regs. And if we can break this down through our network, through the contributions of other people, through ACSP, uh, we we really feel like we're going to move the needle in a way that's never been done before. Yeah, I think uh, reiterating kind of where this just really meets practicality. When I was in house, I know in law school I had learned the word ITAR, um, international traffic and arms regulations. No one taught me how to apply for an export license. And when I started, they're like, "Well, you're a lawyer, get an export license." I'm like, I have no idea where to begin. So one of the things we'll be teaching is how do I even start to know if I need an export license? How do I apply for one? What are the triggering factors? You know, if I'm a government contractor or I want to be a government contractor, there's a litany of questions in SAM, which is the registration platform that issues the cage. How do I answer those? Well, these are all things that we're going to be teaching skills for. And I know that when I was in-house, I wish someone had told me how these things had Im implicated one another. So when you get into government contracting, you're going to be asked to comply with export controls. Or if you're dealing with foreign investors or foreign employees, maybe you're going to be dealing with CFIUS. Maybe you're going to be dealing and CFIUS Committee on Foreign Investment in the U.S. Maybe you're going to be dealing with OFAC, which is uh, part of the Department of the Treasury. Um, they deal with sanctions and things like that. How am I doing due diligence? Like all of these things intersect each other. And if you don't know how or where they intersect or how much they cost or how long they take, it can ruin your whole contract, cost you penalties, especially if you have contracts that are sensitive to dates like launch agreements or rideshare agreements. You could be, you know, breaking or in breach of that whole contract just because you weren't educated on what the realistic timelines were for all the different moving parts of your business and your particular mission. So I, I wish this had existed before. We're creating it now because there's definitely a need, but there's been a need for a while. And we're seeing a lot of interest among like people kind of in the situation I was, which is general counsels at space companies or, you know, just founders who want to be educated so they can avoid these pitfalls and they can preserve all of their um, their resources, both monetary resources and their time, right? So that they don't have to go hire an expensive lawyer, put things back together after they took an investment that they learned after the fact they shouldn't have. 
you know, we can teach them how to avoid these things on the front end and give them our experience working with lots of companies across commercial space. And we're just going to hopefully speed up the process, save them money and put their resources where they really need to go, which is into getting their technology to customers. Well, we hope uh, as many people will come to the boot camp as possible. We're offering a hybrid model as well. A lot of students have been interested in attending that. Um, follow us on acsp.space. We have a newsletter that you can sign up for, or you can follow us on LinkedIn, either Aegis Space Law, or you can follow ACSP. You can see what we're up to and see all the things we're adding to that website, either website and the newsletter all the time. The newsletter comes out monthly and it's we try to keep it as practical as possible by saying, here's why you should care about this thing. Um, and then giving you a quick snippet on what's going on in industry policy and everything else commercial space. And the other thing is uh, the boot camp is hybrid. So for those who can't come February 21st to 23rd in Albuquerque, um, you can attend online on Zoom and still be still have the offering for the certification. Bryce Kennedy is an attorney and business development director for Aegis Space Law. You also heard from Bailey Reichelt, who is a partner at Aegis. There's more to this interview. You can find it online along with more information for the boot camp at federalnewsnetwork.com. Search Space Hour. <laughs>